Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is December 28th, 2020. And here with me, as always, to help me bring a close to 2020 is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hello, Jen. Why are you making a face, pal? Because I can't believe it. Because I can't I believe we're at the end of the year. And we're not, actually, because, of course, we're a week in advance. But it's still, it's close enough. We're recording this on the day of the solstice, the we big are. Jupiter, Saturn, solstice, everything. And wow, this year really went fast. I know. My pal, are you going to do New Year's resolutions? I was remembering that last year... You said that you occasionally make resolutions such as eat more crunchy things, which inspire <laughs> one of our better episode titles. <laughs> what do you want to do this year? Maybe we'll get another title out of it. I don't think I have anything quite as creative this year because I've really been giving a lot of thought about where I want to be in the coming years. Right. And little plug for the radio episode that you were on earlier because it's funny. You said you were thinking about like how folks can think out five years. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the note I put on my show sheet before we started talking and before your radio interview was I have been thinking about imagining myself five years out and what I want to be doing. I love that. Because Aquarius, as we keep saying, is the sign of the visionary of hopes and dreams and legacy, things off into the future that we want to accomplish. So I like that you're doing that work on the solstice day. And I love that you just equated all of that with astrology. It's what I do, my friend. <laughs> Everything I do, I love that. every hour of every day of my life, I could turn into astrology in one way or another. How about about you? Resolutions? Well, I'm going to have that week off next week. Okay. When I'm getting a new planner in the mail today, which I'm excited about. Once I take a look at it, I'll let the listeners know if that's something that they might want to take a look at. Great. It's not quite as comprehensive as the one that we were talking about last year, but it actually looked really good. So I'm going to sit down in front of the fire with that and with a little notebook. Maybe they want to be a non-imaginary sponsor. Uh, maybe they do. <laughs> we'll get in touch. We'll rattle their cage, as it were. <laughs> but that is what I will be doing with a lot of that time to figure out my trajectory for at least 2021 and maybe well beyond. So maybe I'll meet you out there on the astral plane well, where we will be projecting out five years from now. Because I imagine we're going to be doing that arm in arm, my friend. Do you know? That five years. I do think so. I do think so. Excellent. Well, how about the here and now? What have we got coming up this week? Oh, April, I think you better start us off. Do you know what time it is? Well, do you? <laughs> Sounds like a song, but please tell me, what time is it? Moonwatch! Moonwatch! Oh, play it! <laughs> oh, for the last time this year, our final Moonwatch of 2020. Yes, our final Moonwatch of the year. It has been an eventful array of lunar happenings that we have followed together this year, my friend. It has been. Well, we arrive now at the full moon at 8 degrees and 53 minutes of Cancer. And that is on December 29th at 7.28 p.m. Pacific time. But before we tell you all about this magical full moon, Jen. Yes. This week's Moonwatch segment brought to you once again by Fonabel Tarot. 
our non-imaginary sponsors. (laughs) This is a tarot deck that's especially designed for children. The creators are Juanita Benedicto and Nicola Allen, and they launched their Kickstarter on December 19th. And let me just tell you, it is going gangbusters already. Have you seen it? They're doing really well. I'm so happy for them. That's what they were telling me. I have to forward you an email that I got from Juanita this very morning, and they are ecstatic at the response they're getting. And I know that people are feeling just like us as soon as they see these illustrations. They are so down for it. That's so great. The Fauna Beltero is the beautiful melding of Nicola's delightful illustrations and the deep and soulful insights of professional astrologer and tarot reader Juanita Benedicto. Nicola is a lawyer-turned-children's illustrator, and Juanita is a librarian-turned-astrology and tarot reader. It is a tarot that includes all your usual major arcana cards, as well as the minor suit cards. And I was thinking about the deck, and I was thinking, well, how do you make a tarot deck really child-friendly? Because some of the cards are pretty scary. Yeah. And I'm not making this up. I went on to Instagram, and they have an Instagram reel on their Instagram account where you can close your eyes, and you can take a screenshot, and it will show you a particular card. The one I got this morning was death. Oh, (laughs) no. I know that even for adults, this is something nobody ever wants to see in a reading, but I really loved Juanita's interpretation of it, which was trust the process. Everything is working out just as it should. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I like that because we equate the idea of death in astrology with Pluto and with that process of letting go of the identity of the individual ego and submerging ourselves into a deeper process. And I've always thought that that is kind of the meaning that we're supposed to get from the death card showing up in a reading. It's like, it's time to let go, you know, go through that process of release. Yeah. I love that. And it had a cute little cobra. I mean, it's funny to call a cobra cute, but these illustrations are so dang cute. They are adorable. And I really liked that interpretation. I like that too. And I like how Juanita writes about things in a way that kids can understand. Yes. So it's never written at a level that's scary or over their heads, but comes across really authentic and yet not too scary. It's not too much, which you don't want to throw kids. So we hope that you will fall in love with these cards just as we have, and that you will join us in helping them come to life and become real live, hold them in your hands, tarot decks. These decks are also going to come with a kid-friendly guidebook that will help you walk your kids through the meanings in ways that they can relate to. Go to their website, starstoneandfable.com, to view the artwork and to find out how to help them fund their Kickstarter campaign. We'll put a link to both the website and the Kickstarter information in our show notes. Please check them out. They're very awesome. Yes, you will fall in love. And thanks so much again to them for being our very first non-imaginary sponsors. I feel very honored that they chose us. I actually really do, too. I think it's really sweet. And I think it's a match made in heaven because I imagine that our very soulful and special listeners are really going to enjoy this tarot deck. I suspect you're right, my friend. Well, tell us about this full moon that we have. It is the fullest of moons. It's the last (laughs) full moon of the year. It's in Cancer. We will call it the revelation point of the Faze family. I made that up. I like that. I'm I'm bringing that into the whole Faze family thing. The revelation point of the Faze family that began back on July 2nd, 2019, 
which was a total solar eclipse at 10 degrees Cancer. We've come full circle from that eclipse time, and things are being revealed to us now that were somehow the seed was sown or was in some other way initiated back in the summer of 2019. Go back in your minds and give that a little thought and try to remember what you were up to then. Yeah, and should folks think back two weeks as well and six months as well? Because those also have to do with the timeline of this full moon, do they not? Always a good idea. Go back to the most recent new moon. That was actually that solar eclipse in Sagittarius. 23 degrees Sag. Mm-hmm. And then we say go back six months because that is when we would have had a new moon in Cancer. So that would have been in um, July of 2020. Sure. Yeah. Very good point, Jen. So as you're, <laughs> as you're reviewing the year, that is a good way to go about it. So it is a full moon in Cancer, and this is the sign of home and family. And as we know, we've had so much emphasis in Capricorn this year. And now that everything is beginning that drift into Aquarius, and the enormous sucking sound you hear is some big Capricorn planets just, boom, you know, go, going into the next side and leaving a vacuum. That's excellent. So we have cancer. Yeah. And at this full moon, we have the opportunity to be reminded of the opposite side of that axis. The Capricorn side of that has been about what our objectives are going to be moving forward what we want to accomplish on a worldly level. And I think to some extent, trying to make sure that we have what we need to have moving forward. Now, that could just be a personal bias because I have Saturn in the second house. But I do think that whenever important things are in Capricorn for a long time, it can be a little hard to see where the next break is going to come from. Where's the next job going to come from? Where's the next stimulus check going to come from? Yeah, because you just feel the burden and you're not feeling any of the lightness that Sagittarius offers, mm -hmm. which is the sign that the new moon was in two weeks ago. Right. Or the warmth of cancer. And the picture that I will give people of for this is when the sun is in Capricorn here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's cold time of year. And even in San Diego, it's been a little on the chilly side, chilly enough we can light a fire. And I think that Capricorn describes that coldness, that sense of constriction that you have at this time of year. But Cancer is the opposite, the opposite being building the fire in the hearth and sitting together with your loved one and maybe a pet and maybe a restorative beverage and really feeling warm and feeling cozy and remembering what it's all for. That's kind of corny, but we can get so caught up in our worldly ambitions or think about how am I going to make my business work in such a difficult time or how are we going to make our next mortgage payment? Those things that are real concerns and scary. But cancer brings us right back down to that soulful place of these are my people this is where I'm from, and this is what it's all for. Your roots. Yeah, yeah. And your family. It's been a tough holiday season. We haven't been able so much to meet in person in a way we normally would at this time of year, whether with family or with dear friends. Right. And I've been missing that, too. I don't tend to see my family this time of year, but we usually see our friends a little more than usual. So that has been tough this year. This talks about sitting by whatever virtual hearth you have and really taking a look at the things that matter. And to me, that's what cancer is about. Which is really good for the end of the year also, mm -hmm. to be reflecting on what really matters to you. Yeah, the touchstone. It's having all the success in the world means nothing if you don't have people you love to share it with. So that's something we are reminded of at this time of year. Nice. 
I think that with the full moon's last aspect in Cancer being a square to Mars, yeah. <laughs> good old Mars, he's just not going anywhere. He's still there. Even though those two are not in aspect at this full moon, the moon and Mars, the energy is already headed in that direction. The moon will eventually make an opposition to Pluto and a square to Mars. And we're probably just feeling some of that emotional fallout still related to last week's Mars-Pluto square on the 23rd which was the last of three. Because the faster moving planet comes through and connects them, is that why? Yes, because the moon in its trajectory through the sign of Cancer, after it makes the full moon, the opposition to the sun, it symbolically goes along and keeps making its aspects that are yet to form in the full moon chart. And the last ones that it will make are the opposition to Pluto and the square to Mars. In real time, it's a couple of days later. Doesn't sound real fun. But... It doesn't sound real cozy, but it's a question of how strongly secured we are to our roots, to our emotional foundation. It's a test of that in a way, and to learn from it if we're not. Are we secure and happy with our current domestic situation, whatever that is? And if not, looking ahead to the year, that's one of the things that we know we want to get straight with. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. What's interesting is as we have come to the end of this year, the Jupiter and Saturn going from Capricorn into Aquarius, and we had a first quarter moon all on the day of the solstice, and it's stuff moving us forward. In a way, we would think, oh, man, we finally got to the end of all this Capricorn, and don't we just want to take a nap? But what I'm finding, I don't know about you, Jen, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it before we started recording, but I'm feeling really energized in the last few days. I mean, I, you and I <laughs> did a lot of work this weekend getting our special episode ready and things. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we're a little more tired than we normally might be, but I'm inspired. That's really great. I feel excited for the first time in a long time. And I'm wondering if our listeners are feeling the same way, that we're going somewhere and it's giving us a little push of energy. And this full moon chart to me accentuates that as well. It has Venus square Neptune, which we'll talk about in a minute. It still has a little bit of Mars square Pluto, and it's an action-oriented chart. We are moving into the next year with some energy and not just barely making over the finish line as we might expect after such a tough year. Yeah. I also noticed that Venus is conjunct the south node. It is indeed. What do you make of that? I think that's really great for letting go. The south node is always about not hanging on to things that we are very comfortable and familiar with, but moving down the path. And I like that Venus, which represents who we relate to, our money, and how we spend it. She's on that point of letting go and saying, what do you really want to hang on to? It comes back to what you were saying just a few minutes ago about what's really important to you, what really matters. Mm -hmm. And she's there on the south node asking, what can you let go of right now related to all of these things? Right. I like all of that, Jen. The symbolism of Sagittarius as well, Venus and Sagittarius, is what can you let go of so that you can travel more lightly oh. and more freely? Because Sagittarius wants freedom above all else. Mm -hmm. At this full moon, I will let go of whatever doesn't make me free, which is big. And we don't always know what that will be. Makes me think of Uranus, too, because I always equate Uranus with freedom. Well, we are at Jupiter conjunct Saturn and Aquarius. And that means that Jupiter and Aquarius is ruling this Sagittarius as well at the moment. Because Jupiter's the ruling planet for Sagittarius 
Right. Yeah, so that's a good point. Well, I think that brings us to to this Venus square Neptune on the 30th at 2.19 a.m., and that's at 18.26 Sag and Pisces. You know, Venus square Neptune is really about looking at, as you said, our relationships, our money, our values, and trying to get clarity about them, trying to get a little more, well, maybe realistic about them. It can be an aspect of disillusionment, of finding that the things that we have, we had great hopes for them, and it didn't really turn out the way that we hoped. But as I said, Venus and Sag really values freedom. So relationships at this time, and we've always talked about the full moon as being a time of reassessing relationships because the sun and the moon are in opposition. So relationships are really going to be going south to the extent that we feel hemmed in. The Sabian symbols for this combination are interesting. The Sabian symbol for Venus is pelicans changing their habitat, and the Sabian symbol for Neptune is a master instructing his pupil. Yet again, one that we've been having. We actually had both of those, because I went back and looked, on episode 59 a volcanic last quarter moon and Mercury runs amok oh. when the sun and Mercury came through and squared Neptune. Oh. And this was just a few weeks ago on December 9th and 13th. We had these. Interesting. And I found that interesting that now Venus is coming through on the same point. Yeah, and making that important aspect. Good catch, Jen. Thank you. Given these symbols, it could be wanting to, you know, change habitat, like in the symbol. Because you find yourself among people who think it's their job to instruct you, and maybe you don't care for that that sort of approach. And I like that you said that, because we can go back to that Sun and Mercury square to Neptune. Episode 15, what's that, three weeks ago or something? Three weeks ago, yes. In a collector series. <laughs> uh, Collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> Collected trade them. We need trading uh, cards. Yes. So go back to that time in that sun and mercury and all of the great wisdom we shared with you then. I'm sure there was something good in there. And just to think about on December 9th and December 13th, what was happening for you? Does anything mm-hmm. stand out from those days? Does anything connect? Is there a thread that connects all of this? Because mm-hmm. here comes Venus on that same point asking the same questions of Neptune. Yeah. And on the south node. Mm -hmm. So Neptune is squaring the nodes. Venus is on the south node. What is real here? What is valuable? It's like I get this vision of someone, I don't know, going through, you know, like a relative has passed away and they're in their home going through the things and saying, what is valuable here? What really represented that person to me? What do I want to hold on to? That's the same thing for ourselves. What do we value and really need to hold on to going into this new year and this new Aquarius journey that we're going on? Yeah, I like that a lot. That's really creative. And maybe what you want to hold on to isn't worth as much money as something else might be, but maybe it has other value. Maybe it holds tight to a memory. Yes. Maybe it just suits you. Yeah. This can always when we have things together in Sagittarius and Pisces as this Venus-Neptune. I always think there's possible of some kind of dispute or a conflict within ourselves over differing values, either related to religion or other belief systems. Belief systems are not always about a formal religion or a church. Sometimes it's just our own powerful sense of guiding principles and ethics. And this is a time of maybe a little conflict around that. So it'll be interesting to see. Here's a question for you. I hope that I have an answer. I hope so too. I suspect you will. 
Neptune has been on the same point for over two months. I went and looked back, because we've been having this a master instructing his pupil symbol over and over again, and it went back to well into mid-October. <laughs> oh, wow. We've had plenty of instruction. <laughs> Actually, if folks want to go back to the episode that would have been October 12th, when we first talked about this symbol, I'll link that in the show notes. I don't know which one that was off the top of my head. Mm. But what do you make of that, April, when Neptune's sitting on that same point for two months or more? I'll tell you what comes to mind is there's probably somebody in your life, for each of us, who has been teaching you something. And it's something important because it's taken a while to get the lesson across. And it's not going to be moving on real fast from this symbol, is it? I haven't looked at the ephemeris. I don't know how long it's going to be stuck at this point, but we're learning something. And it's something about compassion and it's something about reality and something that we believed that may not actually be true or coming up with a new sense of spiritual purpose. I know a lot of people this year that have been having a lot of doubts about people in their lives that they really thought they were on the same page with or maybe a political affiliation that they always just really identified with and now they don't. Lots of things like that where people are trying to figure out what's real, what they can believe in, and what forms the basis of their faith in life. What can they believe in when everything around us some days says there isn't much you could really believe in? That is good stuff. I hope that answered the question without being needlessly grim, because yeah. I don't think it is grim. I think it's always with Neptune, what's hopeful about it is <laughs> disillusionment's a sad thing. If you think a person, for instance, was a particular way and it appears finally that they are not, that is a sad thing. It's a disappointing thing. But it also means we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to let them go, or we have an opportunity to love them as they really are instead of the way we wanted them to be or thought that they were. And I think that's true of relationships right now. It's true of ideologies. It's true of a lot of things. And I think that is what I take from Neptune sitting so long on that same symbol and at that same point. I am so glad I asked that. I'm glad you did too, because I hadn't even noticed it or thought about it. Should I look that up in the ephemeris real quickly? You could. I'm kind of curious now. Sure. So April and I just looked up how long Neptune has been in Pisces at this degree in the ephemeris. Mm -hmm. April, say what an ephemeris is, won't you, for newer listeners? Ooh, an ephemeris is magical. It's a collection of tables of planetary positions. And it used to be that all astrologers had their printed ephemeris as a little book. You oh, could get one for the year. Back in the day. Yeah, a little pamphlet-sized one that you could carry around with you. And then we'd have them all collected for all the years in these gigantic books, which I call them coffee table books in the sense that you could use them as coffee tables. They are so huge. <laughs> so I've got two centuries worth of them back there on my bookshelf. So that's what an ephemeris is. It just shows you the placement of the planets on any given day. So Neptune went into the 18th degree of Pisces on October 3rd, 2020, and will be there through January 23rd, 2021. And it just depends where you live in the world. We'll just give that a day on either side. But that's a long time to be at one degree, that 18th degree. It sure is. I mean, talk about a master instructing his pupil. 
That's plenty of instruction. I mean, that's nearly a quarter. Of it's three and a half months. Yeah, if you're on the quarter system at school, we're definitely taking an intensive lesson yeah. from Neptune. And that brings us to the last aspect of the week we wanted to talk about, which is Mercury sextile Neptune. That is how we begin New Year's Day on January 1st at 3.18 a.m. Pacific. Mercury will be at 1828 Capricorn, sextile Neptune at 18 degrees of Pisces. And like this Sabian symbol that I know we've talked about before, Mercury on 19 Capricorn, a child of about five with a huge shopping bag. And then, of course, Neptune is on a master instructing his people. So it's so cute because we have this Mercury in Capricorn grappling with lots of tasks and ideas and just a full shopping bag, a huge shopping bag going into the new year of 2021. And I think that if we've learned anything from Neptune this year, and I'm sure we've learned a lot as he's been in a sextile relationship with all these Capricorn planets, is to go with the flow. And I mean, have ambitions, be directed, make your plans, but know that stuff happens. And you have to be willing to be flexible and to go along with it. And if I've learned anything as a pupil to this particular Neptunian master this year, it's exactly that, that if things are not flowing, if you're getting stuck, there's a reason for it. And you have to let yourself just sit and relax and let the tide go out and wait for it to come back and bring you the thing that's right. That's how I want to approach the new year, January 1st, with this Mercury-Neptune sextile. That's beautiful. Oh, my friend, what a year. And let me just say, we actually talked about this aspect with Jupiter coming through sextiling Neptune. Mm. And that was on episode 51, Libra New Moon, Symmetry Schmimetry. <laughs> that was a great title. It was a year of good titles, wasn't it? <laughs> but would that remind us then of that third Jupiter-Neptune sextile that happened on October 12th, now that Mercury's coming through? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, that was a much more substantial aspect because Jupiter moves a heck of a lot more slowly than Mercury. Mm -hmm, yes. It really kind of, for the whole year, it was dancing with Neptune. But it's fun that on that particular date, it was at these Sabian symbols. So that poor little kid just hasn't learned with the huge shopping bag. It's a little bit over its head. And I feel that's kind of how we've been this year. A whole lot of ideas and ambitions and trying to get things done. And the huge shopping bag makes me think of the great toilet paper crisis of 2020 as well. <laughs> We're all just really stocking up on everything we could. And wow, it's a year for the record books, isn't it, pal? Yeah, we have been living through history. And we have been sharing it with all of you good people yeah. all through 2020. And we thank you all a million for it. What a great ride this has been, Jen, this year. And I'm looking forward to our new year podcasting together. I look forward to it too, my friend. Yay. Jen, that's everything on the show sheet. Do you think we've done it? I think we can flip the calendar because we have finished episode 62. We are waving bye-bye. Ooh, yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, <laughs> <Bye> 2020. <laughs> well, thank you to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast, some of you for this full year. If you like what you're hearing here, we hope that you will subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
and leave us a rating. Leave us somebody, please leave us a review. On Apple Podcasts, is that what you mean? Yes, please. Yeah, we haven't had a new Apple Podcast one in a while. Yes, we would love that. We hope that you will spread the word about our podcast by telling a friend about the show. Maybe share it on your social media. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're incredibly grateful to everyone who showed support during our September Podathon. Each week, we'll be thanking one or two of you by name. April, who do we have this week? This week, we want to give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to, I think it's pronounced Banna Huck and Stephanie Wilson. So we want to thank both of you. And apologies, Benna, if April mangled your name. Yeah, yeah I think next year we need to do this differently. We need to ask people, you know, if you think we're going to have trouble pronouncing your name, help us out because we don't want to offend you. Actually, everyone should give us some cues as to how to pronounce their name if we don't know them because we don't know. Maybe Stephanie pronounces their name a little bit differently. Perhaps. We just don't know. Perhaps. We'll know that whatever we lack in the ability to pronounce things properly, we more than make up for in intense gratitude. Yes, that's so true. Yes, we really do. Thank you. And I just think it's appropriate that in this Cancer Full Moon Week, we honor two donors about whom we know next to nothing. Tell people why you say that's connected to the Cancer Full Moon Week. Well, because Cancerian people can sometimes be a little shy or elusive. And I don't know that these two listeners are, but sometimes that is the case with cancer. Maybe they would like to write a little note to us on our website, BigSkyAstropod.com, if you want to, and let us know if you resonate with the sign of cancer. Yes, we would love knowing that. So, Benna and Stephanie, we appreciate you both. We thank you so much for listening to our podcast and for supporting us during our polython. We are so grateful to you both, and we're so grateful to everyone who donated during the September Potathon. Because, you know, one other thing I want to say as we wrap up 2020, and I just thought of this, is, you know, all of the contributions that came in just gave us an indication that our work in the world was resonant, that people were finding it helpful and something that you wanted to keep listening to week after week. And so we appreciate both of you specifically this week, but all of you in general. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. Actually, something that I write to people when I thank them for their donations is to say, it doesn't just help us pay the bills. It does. And we're really grateful for that. But it lets us know on a Venus level that people are valuing what we're doing Mm -hmm. and that it is making people's Monday mornings maybe a little brighter or whenever you're able to listen. So thank you. Thank you for adding that, Jen. Yeah, I'm happy to. And one more thing is that April and I just recorded an episode for the December solstice, and we dropped that last weekend. If that's something that folks are interested in gaining access to, you can go to our website, BigSkyAstropod.com, kick in $5 or more, and you'll receive access to that episode, as well as the upcoming year's equinoxes and solstices. Well... That's it for us this week. My good friend, that is it for us this year. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. 
That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.